0: Our sermon lesson today on this Reformation Sunday is from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Daniel. It's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. You notice it's kind of a long story. Because it's a long story. That's why. But you'll get to participate as we go through. As you hear about Daniel in the lion's den, I want you to think today about how Daniel is a wonderful example of how you live by faith. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. These administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued a decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next thirty days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your Majesty, would be thrown into the lions? den? the king answered, "The decree stands, in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed." Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah. Pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight." Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is God's word. Dear friends of Jesus, grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone. I hope if you've been coming to the Lutheran church for a while, you've learned to, to hear those three phrases. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. There aren't a lot of Lutherans in these parts, are there? And so people ask, what's a Lutheran? This is where you can start. Lutherans depend completely on the grace of God. God's undeserved love for sinners like us. Lutherans believe that we are saved by faith in Jesus, not by the works that we do. And everything that Lutherans believe comes 100% from Scripture, from the Bible, not from our own opinions. Grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone. Can you say those three things together with me? Grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone. But those aren't just supposed to be catchy little phrases. They're supposed to be the the foundation of our lives. Because you know what the other option is? If your life isn't based on grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, the, the other option is you. Your works. In life, your life either depends on faith or you. It's by faith or it's by you. And now, by you might sound pretty good when you first think about it. But if you actually think about what that means, it's not good at all. Can can you save yourself? You and I who can't even control one single raindrop falling from the sky. Do you think we can save ourselves from sin, death, and hell? No way. No way. Not at all. You see, if you live your life by you, it always is going to end up with doubt and guilt and fear. But it's not by guilt. It's by faith. Salvation depends on on faith in Jesus Christ alone. This is the core message of the Bible. It's the heritage that's been passed down to us in the Lutheran Church. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. That's how we're saved. But what does that look like? How do you live life by faith alone? Today we have an example. This is an example of Daniel. Daniel lived his life by faith. He had to. Do you remember Daniel's story from the Bible? Daniel grew up in Jerusalem, but when he was just a young man in 605 B.C., Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians and by their king, Nebuchadnezzar, to make matters worse, Daniel was taken as a captive to Babylon in exile. I think it's hard for us to imagine what that would be like. Separated from family, separated from God's people and God's temple and God's land. In Babylon, Daniel was trained to be an official in the Babylonian government. Do you know how long Daniel served in the Babylonian government? Almost 66 years. For 66 years, Daniel was a wise man. He was an advisor in the Babylonian government until October 12, 539 BC. This is one of these dates that historians can actually set with accuracy. There was a world changing event that happened on October 12, 539 BC. On that day, the Persians conquered the city of Babylon. And now when a foreign country conquers a different area, the first thing that they have to do is set up a new government. And that's where our story of Daniel and the Lion's then begins today. We're told that King Darius was pleased to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout his kingdom, with three administrators over them, among whom one of those three administrators was Daniel. So the government changed. A new empire was in control. But Daniel kept serving in government. In fact, he was almost immediately named one of the three administrators over the the whole empire of Babylon. But as often happens in politics, his co-workers were jealous. And so the other leaders, the other administrators, and these satraps, government officials, they decided to try to find grounds to charge Daniel but they weren't able to do so. They found that in Daniel was no corruption. He was trustworthy. He wasn't negligent or corrupt in any way. And so these jealous co-workers, they tried to dig up dirt on Daniel and what did they find? Nothing. In fact, this is what they said. They said, we will not find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has to do with the laws of his God? Isn't that one of the greatest compliments that has ever been given to someone? We cannot find anything wrong with this man except that he believes in God. Wouldn't it be great if people could say that about you and me? But of course, that didn't stop these jealous co-workers of Daniel. They went to the king to propose a new law. They said, okay, you should... Propose an edict. Enforce a decree. That anyone who prays to any god or human being. During the next 30 days. Except to you, your majesty. Should be thrown into a lion's den. What king would ever say no to that? you imagine this? You being king. And and your, your most important officials come to you. And they say, oh king, we love you. Everybody loves you. We think you're the greatest. In fact... Let's say that all people in our kingdom have to pray and worship and adore you for the next 30 days. If you were king, what would you say? Sure. And so King Darius signed that into law, only praying to King Darius for the next 30 days. So the trap was set. This was a test for Daniel's faith. What would he do? I think if you listen to how we Christians talk today, it would seem like Daniel had two options. When Christians' faiths are, are tested today, it seems like there's, there's two possible responses. Option one would be brash disobedience. We see this happen all around us. So the king says you can't pray, then, then go to the most public place And say the most public prayer that you can possibly pray. Gather a lot of attention. Show that king that he's wrong. Show the king that that you're right. Isn't this what we see Christians do? When your faith is tested or challenged, be brash. Be loud. Disobey. Or there's option number two. I think option number two is what fits me better. Option number 2 for Daniel would have been to just not pray. I mean, this decree was only for 30 days. The easy thing would be just just to not pray for 30 days. That wouldn't be that hard, would it? I bet some of us have gone 30 days without going to church. You ever done that? I bet some of us have gone 30 days without reading God's word. I have. Right? No big deal. It's not that important, right? we will have to talk about that in a little bit. Right? These, these would be the options. Right? Brash disobedience. Garner attention for yourself. Show the right way. Or just put God aside for a while. So which did Daniel do? Daniel's faith was tested by this awful decree. What should he do? Brash disobedience? Put God to the side. Neither. He didn't either. We're told that when Daniel heard about this proclamation, he went to his house, to his upstairs room with windows that faced Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Daniel didn't make a big show. Faith doesn't make a big show. Faith in Jesus is never about getting attention for ourselves. Whenever we Christians do something big to try to get attention for us, we're not living by faith. But Daniel couldn't stop praying. Daniel could not go 30 days without God. In fact, Daniel could not go one day without God. In fact, during the day, Daniel could not go six hours without God. So three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. I hear this story it, to me it's so it's so convicting. This is what a life of faith looks like. Daniel didn't make any like snarky faith, Facebook posts. Right? Can you believe that? He didn't say, did you hear about this stupid law? Our king's an idiot. Daniel never said that. He never ever would have said that. He respected and he served his king. But there was no way that Daniel was going to stop praying. His enemies knew that. They knew right where to find Daniel. Three times a day. Praying humbly in his house with the window open facing Jerusalem they They knew exactly where to go. Daniel, he's going to bow down and pray giving thanks to God. That last phrase hit me the most. Giving thanks to God. Three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and he gave thanks to God. And you hear his story and you think, what does he have to give God thanks for? He's in exile in a foreign country. The king just passed a terrible law. He's about to be thrown into the lion's den. And what did Daniel do every day? Three times... Gave thanks to God. And you say, Daniel, for what? And I, I bet I know what Daniel would have said. He would have said, for everything. Even if your coworkers are against you, even if your government passes terrible laws, you can give thanks to God. For what? For everything. Humbly. Quietly. That's how you live by faith. Of course, to live by faith always means that there's a promise that you put your faith in. Do you know what promise Daniel had his faith placed in? 300 years before the time of Daniel, King Solomon had built the magnificent temple in Jerusalem. On the day that King Solomon dedicated that temple, God allowed King Solomon to prophesy about the future, and it actually wasn't good. On the very day that he dedicated this big, beautiful temple, Solomon prophesied one day God's people will reject God and he will let them be taken in exile. But as Solomon prophesied that, he, he included a prayer. He said, God, when those people of yours who are in exile, when they remember you, when they repent and they turn to you and they look to the land that you've given their fathers, when they look to the city of Jerusalem which you've chosen, when they look to you and they pray, God, turn your face toward them from heaven and hear them. Hear them and forgive them. And on that day when Solomon dedicated the temple, do you know what God promised to do? He said, I will. I will. And so for 66 years in exile, what had, what had Daniel done? He'd held on to God's promise. He turned toward Jerusalem. He had prayed, trusting that God would hear and God would forgive. That's, that's faith. It was all by faith. By faith, Daniel was willing to face the consequences. We like to think to ourselves that we just had enough faith, right? Everything's going to go well. What did Daniel's faith get him? Got him thrown into a lion's den. Right? Now Halloween is coming up. If you want to think about something scary, think about a lion's den. Imagine a a deep, dark pit in the ground with just a, a little hole at the top, an opening. In the bottom of that pit are are hungry lions. Lions purposely kept hungry so that they'll immediately eat anyone dropped in. And now imagine you being thrown into the darkness and having a big stone placed over the top. You say, ah! Right? The good news is that most people didn't even make it to the bottom because the lions crushed them before they could hit the floor. You know what's amazing about this story? Daniel doesn't complain. We're not told that they had to drag Daniel kicking and screaming to that lion's den. He went. Because Daniel knew something. If, If he was going to be saved, who was going to do it? God was. Even the king knew that. In his final words... King Darius looks down and he says, Daniel, may may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. So did he? Did God rescue him? Very early in the morning, King Darius got up and he hurried to the lion's den. He called out, Daniel, servant of the living God whom you serve continually. Has your God rescued you from the lions? And what did Daniel say? O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. When Daniel was lifted out of the lion's den, he didn't have any wounds on him because he had trusted in his God. God did rescue Daniel from the lion's den. Why did he do it? Because he had trusted in his God. Daniel was saved by faith. Think through this story, it's pretty remarkable to see how little Daniel did. First, you have to get the right picture in your mind. Sometimes, when we picture Daniel in the lions, then we picture like Hercules down there, like this young man with all these muscles right in the middle of these these lions. But Daniel was a teenager when he was taken to Babylon. He served the Babylonian government 66 years, and then the Persians take over and he's thrown in the lions. How old was Daniel? He was probably at least 80 years old. Picture this 80-year-old man in a lion's den with these lions. What did Daniel do? Trusted in God. Because who saved him? God did. I think we're tempted to say, well, why doesn't God do that for us? Why doesn't God just miraculously save us? We have faith in God. Why is there still cancer? Why are there still car accidents? Why are there still broken relationships? Why doesn't God rescue us like he rescued Daniel? You know what the Bible says? It's because God's done even more for you. God hasn't rescued you from a lion's den. God has done even more for you. I'm going to tell you Daniel's story again quickly. And as I tell it, I I want you to, to think of who comes to your mind. All right. So there was a man who always did the right thing. He was righteous in everything that he did. But the leaders of his day, they were jealous of him. And so they accused him of all sorts of false things that he didn't do. But everybody knew that he was good, he was righteous. The only thing they could accuse this man of was his faith in God. And so they dragged him before the governor, before the ruler. And the ruler knew that this man was innocent. He wanted to let him go. But he didn't. He couldn't. And so this innocent man was condemned to die. And they rolled the stone over the cave. And it was sealed with the signet ring of the governor. And it was over. Until early in the morning when people came and and they rolled the stone away, they found that he was alive. That's Daniel's story. Does it make you think of somebody else? Jesus. Everything Daniel did, Jesus did better. Daniel was a righteous man in other people's eyes. Jesus, he was absolutely perfect. And yet those Jewish leaders of Jesus say that they leveled all of these charges against Jesus. But what was the only thing that Jesus was guilty of? He claimed to be the son of God. But he was. They dragged him before the the governor, Pontius Pilate. And Pilate knew he was innocent and wanted to let him go. But he didn't. And so everything that Daniel suffered, Jesus suffered more. God didn't send his angel to save Jesus from dying on the cross. No, God let Jesus die on the cross so that he could pay the penalty for all of our sins Every time that we've made faith to be this attention-getting thing for ourselves, Jesus died to forgive us. Every time we've taken a day or 30 days off in our relationship with God, Jesus died on the cross to win forgiveness for us. He was put in that tomb. The stone was rolled in front. It was sealed with the king's signet ring. But when those women came in the morning and the tomb was, the stone was rolled away, what did they find? He was alive rose from the dead to give us life, that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the message of the Bible. That Just like Daniel, maybe even more, even more than Daniel, saved from lions, you and I are rescued from sin and death and hell by Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith. So what does it look like? What does it look like to live by faith? This is where we can learn so much from Daniel. Does your government ever decree unchristian things? What should we do? Serve humbly. Respect them. Make it so that your government has nothing to criticize in your life other than your faith in God. Do you ever have co-workers who work against you? Are there ever people in your life who try to bring you down? What should you do? Live by faith in such a way that the only thing that they can accuse you of is being a believer in Jesus. And all the while, turn to Jesus every day, multiple times a day, trust in his promises. That's how we live. We live by faith. How do you survive in a, an unjust society? By faith. How do you make it past the lions? By faith. How do you deal with your enemies? By faith. I don't know about for you, but it seems like every week brings more reasons for me to be worried. Every week brings more things for us to be anxious about. What are we going to do when war actually hits us? Not just all the people over there. What about when the war actually hits us? How are we going to make it through? By faith. What are we going to do when the death comes to us? When the violence or the accident it, it comes to us? How are we going to make it through? By faith. You see that when the lions roar in your life, you have this solid foundation to stand on. Grace alone faith alone, scripture alone. We live by faith. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, long ago, your servant Daniel was called on to live by faith. He was dragged away from his home and country. He was forced to live in a foreign country his whole life. And he was asked to, to either deny you or be thrown to the lions. And by faith, he he let himself be thrown into the lions and you saved him. Then the same for us, maybe not from physical lions, but you sent your son Jesus who did even more than what Daniel did. And he died on the cross and rose again to give us eternal life. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to live our lives by faith. Just like you've allowed Lutherans for the last 500 years to hold on to these truths, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. May we in our Lutheran church faithfully confess you. May the people around us not be able to accuse us of anything other than being believers in, in the one true God. Dear Father, allow us to live our lives by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.